All right, folks. Uh, it's a pretty exciting uh, radio show for me, and I'm happy to be on the show here. As you know, folks, I've had some um, interesting, if you listen to my last interview, it's going to be very important uh, to kind of give a, a preemptive uh, talk here. So I'm going to do a little bit of history here. I'm going to recap for those of you just listening to the show. I'm going to be releasing a little more information on my own show than I have. Uh, I just did a goldfish report with Louisa, and I'm going to be doing um, a series of shows and um, some webinars on a series of information with Lauren Gailey. And I'm probably going to be having my friend Raymond Keller uh, join me. For those of you who are new to what I'm uh, talking about today, I recently had a real physical face-to-face -face contact. Um, and this contact uh, took place because of a very special friend of mine and a fellow contactee, uh, way more experienced than me. And I'm going to say pretty much most anybody that I've ever heard of um, in the public, including Dr. Fred Bell, Alex Collier, Cobra, Corey Good, you name it. This brother is an extremely advanced spiritual being. I call him an adept. If you saw him, you would not believe the, the humility and the, the simple personage of, uh, that uh, is Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to do my best here to kind of sort this out. Um, I'm going to be, got my glasses on here. I'm going to be sharing some information. And, and while I'm getting ready to do that, um, I'm going to uh, tell you about a couple things coming up for me. Um, the, one of the first things uh, coming up for me is I'm going to be uh, appearing um, at the Conscious Life Expo um, on February 7th through 9th. And it is there, I'm going to release all the information if there's time. I'm going to be speaking in the Century Ballroom at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. I have uh, uh, another uh, presentation coming up at the New Earth Events. That's in uh, Sacramento, California. I think it's at the uh, Crown Hotel. Um, and I'll try to get that information to you late, uh, later on. I'm going to, while the, I'm playing some video recordings from the Venusians here, um, I'm going to uh, search out the exact location. It's called New Earth Events. You can check it out on Facebook. And I'll probably be able to share it this week. So uh, my personal page on Facebook is full. Go to my public Robert Potter page. So once again, we got the Conscious Life Expo. I'm going to be in booth 204 selling some items like the pyramids, my jewelry here. It's snowing here in Mount Shasta. My room's a little messy, but I, can, I think you can see the crystals behind me there. But I'm pretty excited, folks, to be sharing this information. And I wanted to go a little more into detail. And again, I'm going to recommend you re-listen to the previous interview because there's a lot of information there about my previous contact leading up into this. But in a nutshell, I've had many contacts with extraterrestrials, probably 18 or 20, 14, somewhere in there, depending on um, 
I would say contacts. I wouldn't say meetings. Um, these are uh, happenstance meetings where I recognize them, and there's a telepathic um, acknowledgement on my part. And I don't know, they just kind of keep me, uh, not only do I know that I'm not supposed to, but they kind of keep me from saying, you're a Venusian and making a scene. And I wouldn't want to do that because it's unknown, really. But I, I, I have found out recently that it is true, that my experiences, my intuitions, and my knowings have been verified uh, recently, again, through my wonderful friend, Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller, author of the Venus Rising Trilogy books, which I highly recommend you all get. Um, the other thing I want to uh, say is that um, in these telepathic communications um, or in these physical uh, experiences with them, um, They've never openly revealed that they're extraterrestrial, but uh, it happened to me on November 21st. Um, uh, a little situation was arranged, and I'm going to explain all that to you uh, during the show here. I'm going to be playing for you some messages and, and so forth. But first, um, I want to – where did that go? Uh, I'm going to introduce you. Oh, that's one of the things I forgot. I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller. On my left-hand side, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller. Uh, I'm in the middle. On my left-hand side is a famous contactee from South America, Louis Mostojo Fernando Martens. I've talked about him repeatedly. I have a, a goldfish report on that if you want to go back to there. Um, <clears throat> and the, the man on the far left is having his own experiences from having contacts with Louis he takes meditation groups in uh, Spanish groups and has up to uh, 40, 50 people um, on the mountain. And he goes up usually twice a year for the last 10 years. He was rewarded with a, a visitation of an inner earth master appeared to him and he has a picture of it. But today I'm, uh, we're talking about uh, Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller. And that's the gentleman on the left. So um, I'm going to, uh, share with you now another uh, picture of uh, Dr. Keller, which um, unfortunately has disappeared. It's a picture of him at uh, in the National Enquirer. I'm sorry, folks, I'm not quite ready. I thought I had all these pictures up, but um, I'm going to pull them up here real quick. Um, so I'm going to pull up uh, Raymond's uh, bio, and we'll... Uh, because I want you all to see these books so you know what they look like and so you can get them on Amazon because Raymond is uh, very much responsible for um, some of my more recent uh, uh, contacts. So I'm going to uh, ask for your indulgence here while I get these up on my screen. And I'm going to pull up the other one here. <clears throat> okay, here's Cosmic Ray. And you can see it's in, in the Enquirer. I think he was 15 years old. He had a UFO. He started his own publication. You can look at the beginning there. His handwriting there. It's a, this guy is totally dedicated uh, from his experience. And as you learn in his books, um, which I'm going to share with you, um, um, uh, is the as uh, cosmic uh, uh, is cosmic rays excellent adventure. You can see in this picture here, uh, as, as sharing is uh, is showing now. Okay, 
So I'm going to show you the Cosmic Rays Excellent Adventure here. This picture of Raymond, um, are you screen, am I screen sharing or not? I wonder. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So you see the gentleman on the left and the woman in the middle. This is Cosmic Rays Excellent Adventure. And he has uh, um, a very unique life experience. And I'm sorry, I'm a little preoccupied. I got to pull up this other question, this other part of him here that's very important uh, is these books. Okay, there we go. So now uh, you can see Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller. This is his, it's called the Venus Rising Trilogy. It's available on Amazon. And um, uh, he has some other books there, and I don't know where they went. I don't know where it went, and I apologize for that. So that's Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller. Let's get back to business here. I'm back in full force. So Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller was introduced to me by a friend, um, and he told me he's had some contacts. His name is uh, Frank Chilling introduced us. Anyway, so I was very uh, intrigued and interested in Raymond's story. Um, uh, I got one of his books. I started asking him questions. He just blew my mind, expanding my limited thinking, my judgments, and what I thought I knew. And here I found someone who really knows a lot, who really, uh, uh, you know, stripped me of a lot of uh, false beliefs and misunderstandings in regards to many things. And he's cleared up many things for me, which I am very happy to share with you all. <clears throat> and the things he's shared with me is due to his experience of living on Venus for two and a half months. I've talked about that story a little bit before <clears throat> with the Queen, and I'm going to back this up now with some images and so forth. So Raymond knew uh, a woman that uh, uh, he had been introduced to by a friend of ours called Gabriel Green. For those of you who follow my work on my website, on my homepage, actually, I talk about going out to the desert with Gabriel Green after he told me the Ascended Master Hilarion was going to send me a teacher. I was like, well, okay, Ascended Master Hilarion. I'd heard about him, but, um, you know, it's kind of relegated to a myth, but so I went up and the, I had this counter and I ended up with spaceship landing in front of me. That's in my last talk. So um, Raymond went up to Gabriel Green's too, three years after that picture. Now be aware that Raymond has started not only the new uh, uh, saucer review, but the new millennial star, the Osiris publication. Um, I can't remember all of them, but he has, knows the who who leo sprinkle alan j Hynek. he's very connected and he is a tremendous researcher and um so i was asking him questions and we continue our friendship and it deepens to this day he shared with me he's very open and honest with me and he is very generous with his time and he has an extensive uh, metaphysical knowledge uh dating back many, many years from his intense study and, of course, his the ultimate experience of his life getting to go to Venus. And um, I guess I'm going to, I think I want to uh, uh, share with you now uh, the, the woman he went to Venus with. And this is uh, the, um, I guess we'll call her the, um, Queen of Venus now, but she's known as Lady Orda. So it's not a great picture. This is kind of a copy or whatever from a 
a picture that was taken in 1954 at Giant, uh, I'm sorry, at uh, Mount Palomar where George Adamski was. And for those of you who who don't know about George Adamski, um, let me show you a picture of him. Thank goodness. Okay, that's George Adamski. Um, he was a member of the Royal Order of Tibet. He had been to Tibet with his father, who was metaphysically oriented. He was a member of the Theosophical Society. He actually lived in Laguna Beach on Nestal Road. An interesting synchronicity, my friend Dr. Fred Bell used to live in the very same house on Nestal Road. He took me by it and said that was where he had his first contact with a Pleiadian Semyasi. Uh, George Adamski then moved down to Mount Palomar, uh, and through telepathic communication, um, he was made aware, he'd probably seen some of the ships on his telescopes, and he was made aware that they were going to meet him at a landing. He was guided to a landing location, and a ship landed. And this is an artist's conception of that first encounter. You will know that from Raymond, uh, uh, through me, that there were Two scout ships, one had landed on the ground. Inside the craft remained a man. Outside the craft, another security detail was another man. Uh, there was another small scout craft above uh, uh, in the sky, as well as a, I think it's a 400-yard mothership cigar shape, which we're pretty familiar with. And that was to bring about the first uh, earthly uh, open contact to the people of earth. There have been contacts going on since time immemorial, folks, in biblical times recently, in Middle Eastern times, I'm some Middle Ages, all over the world, spiritual people have been having contacts with extraterrestrials, sometimes by sheer luck and happenstance and being in the right place at the right time. Many times they don't even know who they are. Other times they're introduced or they're in their spacecraft. Uh, these contacts, most of them keep themselves private or do not wish to become a, a personal, um, put themselves on the line and reveal the truth and become a, a, a figurehead for the Venusians to the public. Um, I would say, generally speaking, Raymond Keller uh, has pretty much been in that humble position, but because of his experience and the importance of the message that he has to bring, he is coming out in a, a, a broader and a bigger fashion. And I want you all to know that I'm going to be interviewing him next week. We're going to do a live show again, and you'll be able to ask questions. So I'm going to uh, be posting this on some of my social media and see if, if there's anyone out there who wants to ask questions. In fact, I'm going to take a couple questions here later on. So that's uh, George Adamski. Uh, and you'll notice there's a translator um, in the being that he was told to say the name is Orthon. She was telepathically communicating using the translator that you see to um, hear his answers. She's from Earth. She speaks English. At this point in time, she's lived on Earth about 400 and years or something. Uh, she was born in uh, 1585 in the Basque region of France, and I told that story in the previous show. So if you want to find out about that, go back to my other show and listen in. But she was visited by an angel, became immortal, 
lived on earth for 230 years, and the angel who had visited her when she was escaping from a nunnery um, appeared to her again on Mount Shasta, and he revealed himself as the ascended master El Moria, who we know as the accidental apostle, Lord Dismas, who died with Christ on the cross. He ascended uh, in a full ascension to the great central sun and became an immortal being. Now, um, this is out there for a lot of you, but I've done the pre-show, and the reason I'm done the pre-show is I want you to respect this message. I'm not a crazy person. I don't lie. And uh, this is uh, the true information um, as I have it. So I'm going to show you another picture of that woman that I showed you before. This is the Queen of Venus. That is the being Orthon. She told George Adamski, tell them I'm a woman because our earth psychologists say that you can't accept uh, a woman as a position of responsibility. Well, times have changed. The divine feminine vortex is, is on, and the Queen of Venus is now elevated to an extremely high stature. And I'm going to uh, share that with you. They live in the matriarchal society. and She was named the queen in 2013. And I think I mentioned that in the previous show as well. And Ray, she'd invited Raymond up there. So I guess I'm jumping around a bit, but let's go back to Gabriel Green. I'm still uh, seeing the same picture, just so you know. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, okay. Let's with, go back with, to Gabriel. Let's go back to Gabriel Green. Um, and thank you, God, very much for staying with me today uh, on my first uh, Skype show or whatever visual. So um, it was in 1982 or 84 I went to Gabriel Green's and had my experience ship where the spaceship landed in front of me with other witnesses. In 1978, uh, three years after that picture, Raymond had uh, attracted the attention of uh, the extraterrestrials and uh, when he went out to visit Gabriel Green on one of his hunts for knowledge of the UFO field, um, Gabe introduced him to this woman who at that time was called uh, Dolores Bergara, um, as, a, as she was from Brazil. But in reality, she was born in Spain. Her name was Katerina, excuse me for getting, but um, she changed her name many times during her long-lived life on the earth for 230 years obviously she had to disappear much like highlander you know um and so uh amazing stories that we have it's out of this world but um it's very very real and um raymond is the conduit or the lightning bolt of this information so um, i'm going to uh, minimize this picture and I'm going to uh, share with you, uh, let's see, another picture that I didn't share. Yeah, here it is. This is another picture taken of the Queen in 1954. That black and white picture you just saw was taken in 1954 because... No, we're not seeing it. Oh, no. We're still seeing... Uh... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm still learning. Here we go. So I'm going to show the... Uh, the new picture, which, um, of course, is now gone. Oh, there it is. Okay, here we go. So now you see the three boys, the two boys and the, the, yep, yep. And the queen. So the story here <clears throat> is 
they were supporting George Adamski and coming to listen to his lecture. It came a little late, attracted a little tension walking in. People started to notice that she kind of looked like the picture of Orthon. They were kind of unique looking a little bit for that time. And uh, the people started asking questions and uh, kind of figuring out that they were Venusians. And at a certain point in time, uh, they could read the telepathic minds of the people. And they go, where are you from? She goes, well, I live in Hermosa Beach. I'm a dressmaker, which she was. She was bilocated, even though she went back to Venus in 1830, she was a dual citizen. She would bilocate or come, come in a spaceship and live here and had a regular earthly life and was going back on Venus quite frequently. Um, and uh, the, she, they allowed themselves to be, have a picture taken of them uh, by a photographer. This is in 1954, folks. I want you to look at her sandals. Those are the Venusian sandals, and she likes them a lot. So the, the man in the middle, I believe, is Furcon. Um, and, uh, I think he's from Venus, and I think in Raymond's book he says, uh, uh, or in his book he says he's from Venus, but he told me the other day that Furcon is from Mars, and this gentleman on the right is Ramu, from Mars or Venus. It doesn't really matter to both extraterrestrials who came along to support the mission. Um, the people started to wonder, they decided to exit the venue. And um, they have a security device called a Nimbus. And you can see it in her hand here. It comes into later play in some of my later shows here. But uh, as they were following her, they went down into the eucalyptus trees to kind of escape them. The people were coming back and they just disappeared. She activated her cloaking device and literally disappeared. So uh, <laughs> pretty amazing. And as a side note, um, a swarm of bees came out and drove the people back. And bees are very important to Venus. We'll have to get that information in a future show. Um, I know I've started a little rocky here, folks, but I'm going to be sharing some amazing uh, things here. Uh, so I want you all to kind of uh, uh, get up to speed. So Raymond's had ongoing contacts with this woman, and you saw the previous picture where he was um, um, literally taken to Venus and lived for two and a half years. The picture on the front of Cosmic Ray's Excellent Adventure has to do with his time on Venus. But I've talked quite a bit. I've shown these pictures before, and I'm going to be releasing this in an organized uh, presentation uh, from now on, uh, probably through the New Year's in several conferences. As I said, I'm going to be at UFOCon at Lorian Fenton's, and you can check my website on upcoming events for my presentations. I know for sure that Dr. Keller is going to join me in Los Angeles at the Conscious Life Expo, and I hope he can join me in San Francisco at the UFOCon. He lives on the East Coast, is a man of humble means, and um, on the plane fare to come out, there's only 500 people. Uh, he can only make money by selling his books. I'm hoping that those of you who are interested in this information will contact me, and Raymond and I can come as a duo or possibly even with others and share uh, the information of the Venusian hierarchy of light and the actual information that's coming forward to prepare and to actually initiate first contact. 
that's what I'm sharing with you today. I'm going to be sharing with you a video of an actual first contact conversation that I had and was able to video record with um, camera. So because we're on a, a short schedule here, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play um, the Valentine's message from the Queen. Dear friends of... Uh, for the, of the Queen for you. And I guess I may as well share a screen on it. It probably will help. Um, uh, no, it's not showing. Uh, wait, there it is. So this will play, and I'm going to put it up here, and I'm going to do that. Venus, the solar hierarchy of light of your sister planet, Abihar, extends joyous greetings to the inhabitants of the Earth. This is Queen Ordo of Abihar speaking to you on a recorded message delivered to our emissary, the incarnation of Publius Virgilius Morrow, the one commonly known amongst you as the Cosmic Ray, Dr. Raymond Keller, the author of the Venus Rising trilogy of books, on Sunday, 10th February 2018. You should be receiving this message on the night of Valentine's Day, Wednesday, 14th February 2018, over Rain's radio. Our love and thanks are also extended to our cosmic brothers, Jeff Renzi, Frank Chile, and all the other brothers and sisters working diligently behind the scenes at Rain's Radio, bringing to the public's attention the truth that is out there, the truth about intelligent life forms filling the immensity of space in their visitations to Earth in the Ventus, beam ships, swaps, mercabas, and other ethereal star vessels that your military and political authorities have erroneously referred to as unidentified flying objects. The planet Abihar, or Venus as you know it, represents the highest manifestation of love and peace in the solar system. Your ancestors from the remote past recognized our world as the celestial sign for the goddess of love and beauty, as well as the herald of peace and understanding. On this night of St. Valentine, it is duly recognized by the solar hierarchy of light in place on Abihar that a message of love and peace is exactly what your world's perplexed inhabitants require at this time, for the purposes of securing their own mutual development and bringing about the long-prophesied Aquarian Age of Enlightenment and Universal Understanding. It's sadness that your governments and religions so burden you with endless laws and ordinances, completely ignoring the sound advice of the Master Teacher Jesus the Christ, sent among you two millennia ago, who taught the simple principle of unfailing kindness in love for the infinite creator as expressed and manifested through love for your own divine essence in the embodiment of the celestial spark that indwells and permeates all of your neighbors. Remember that the angels of the celestial worlds and particularly of Abihar and the other planets of our solar system, both seen and unseen, forever attend you. As the human being is well motivated by love, our advice is to continue to manifest kindness and good words, for you never know when you shall find yourself in our presence. Your manifestations of love will garner you the prize of life, both happy and eternal. This is how we shall build a new earth and in turn bid you entrance to the glories of Abihar and other orbs in the Pleroma. 
we along with our brothers Cosmic Ray and Frank Chile, as well as our sisters Omnek Onek and Cherry Lynn, look forward to meeting you on the slopes of Mount Shasta on the 27th through 29th of July for the From Venus with Love World Conference. Our blessings are transmitted to you and yours on multidimensional planes for a happy Valentine's Day. Keep love in your heart every day so that each and every one becomes a special Valentine's celebration. I regret that I cannot speak to you live at this time as I am conducting an important mission in the Saturnian system. This is the Queen, Order of Abihar. Okay, folks, so that's pretty uh, amazing stuff. And I can understand there's going to be a lot of skepticism about that. The reason I'm doing these shows is because I want to release this information and I want to tell you straight as I look in your eye, this is the absolute truth. This is reality and first contact on a certain level is coming through the emissary cosmic Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller. Um, I'm kind of, he's the cosmic post fan and I'm the cosmic post fan. We're just delivering the message. Uh, Raymond has enlightened me tremendously and I'm taking a burden off of him uh, from sharing all the details so that you can understand and focus on him as a real contactee. He's far too humble in his writings. He's even far too subtle to actually explain what happened. And even though you read it, it, it's kind of sounds like a science fiction novel, but it's absolutely true. Um, he will do very well in answering metaphysical questions of any t nature on time travel, extraterrestrials, interdimensional, magnetic lines of fucks, the history of, of Venus, and many, many other things. Um, so um, I, I'm going to go through this. I, I did a goldfish report number 409 where I go through this similar information. But on my show here, you're going to get a little more than I'm going to release to the others as we move along here. Um, because this is my radio show, I'm going to release a little more, but it's not as uh, organized as I want today, but we're going to continue on. I'm going to share with you uh, the next um, message, and I'm not sure what, am I still sharing? No, good. Okay, so I'm going to share with you a next message, and this next message... Dear friends of uh -oh. Venus, greetings to all seekers of second. truth in the victory of the light Way study groups scattered... Dear friends of Venus, greetings to all seekers uh, of truth in the victory of the light study groups. Okay, so I got I got to um, preempt this picture. Now Raymond and I have been very close. I took him to China with me this year. The Chinese people knew me and my information, my radio show, and my blog, kind of with my association with Cobra, which I no longer have. But um, they invited me over, and I went over for twenty days. Um, I met some people. Uh, worked on some manufacturing of products, and then um, they invited me over, and I bought my friend Raymond. They're very interested in talking and meeting two Venusians, as everyone is, but their childlike innocence of just saying, well, can we meet them? <laughs> There's a lot of details. People don't just get to meet them because you want to. Uh, so uh, I bought Raymond over, and uh, they had wanted to know some questions on tachyons. Um, and how they are and how they work. And so in this uh, message you're going to hear, the queen is kind of showing her uh, physics chops and the awareness um, as uh, traveling 
back and forward in spaceships and on the earth, uh, you have a lot of knowledge that you can gather in about 437 years of life. She's quite young, five foot two. And so now we're going to play the uh, second message um, uh, for, from the Queen of Venus. Um, and that is the message to China. So uh, in this message that was delivered, I played it so they could hear her voice, but we had a translator with the transcript written in Mandarin reading to the people. So this is going to be above the head of most people. And it's basically physics, so don't get afraid of the word physics or math. This is basically understanding what are called tachyons. I don't know everything about tachyons, but I know a lot more now because of the queen. I don't know um, uh, what they are or how they exist and what this, these are further questions that I could ask. But my questions are precious, and I ask only a few questions, and you're going to be hearing the questions, you're going to be reading the answers, and you're going to actually see a live question and answer session at the end here. So uh, hang on. But um, she talks about tachyons. And from what um, first time I'd heard about them was uh, Fred Bell said that tachyon chips uh, of the Pleiades are sound powered and light separated. We learned many interesting things from Fred that the Pleiadians make their ships and giant motherships out in space. They grow a giant mushroom, and then they inject the mushroom with the liquid crystalline metal that turns it into a spaceship, and it's kind of a living consciousness. It has a, uh, a telepathic communication, a kind of a mind of its own, and um, uh, only the commander can connect it, but they use a mushroom because of the chordal chambers to create a resonance of the sound. So in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and we are living manifestation. Spark, spirit spark, uh, ultimate physical atom, the divine essence of the creator lives within us as a living word and a flame and the spark of God. So this sound current that runs the spaceships has something to do with tachyons. I heard from Fred. So now Cobra comes forward and talks about tachyon chambers, that he's created these tachyon chambers. And he supposedly has a satellite in outer space that's channeling uh, tachyons into the Earth. So I was kind of curious if my pyramids uh, were producing them, and, and she gives some answers, which I'll release in the personal message to me uh, in the future. But um, you'll hear more about them. But she uh, basically... Um, um, has explained some stuff here in this this uh, uh, speech of hers. And um, just listen to this, and for you physicists and scientists who want to learn about tachyons, uh, send this one to Cobra. You might learn some things about tachyons here. But uh, she has a lot of good information. Her shops are up. So listen to this. Venus, greatest to all seekers of truth in the victory of the light study groups scattered throughout China. I heartily commend you for your diligent efforts in bringing a profound celestial gnosis and illumination to your fellow beings on the Asian continent and beyond. It is a great honor for me personally to follow in the footsteps of your dearly beloved Lady Mazu, now an ascended master in the Roma, facilitating the peaceful progress of your planet and many others in the vast star fields of the Milky Way galaxy. Remember that she will always be with you, even unto the end of time, as you understand it to be. 
Robert Potter of Mount Shasta, California, has submitted a list of your questions for my consideration. Here are my answers, my thoughts on these important matters. What can you tell me about tachyons? Tachyons are subatomic particles, neutrinos, accelerated by high energies that can move faster than the speed of light. They are the constituent particles of an antimatter universe known by your scientists as Dimension X. Are tachyons freely available on Earth at this point in time? Well, because tachyons are constituent to neutrinos in their electron, muon and tau subatomic particles with a mass close to zero, they are considered rare in the third dimensional physical universe. To detect one or more, a special type of cloud chamber is required, one that can trace the path of ionized radiation particles. Is there a veil blocking tachyons from coming to Earth? Yes, there is. Uh, it's known as the speed of light, which is approximately 186,000 miles per second. The neutrino must be hyper-accelerated, and once it nears the speed of light, it sheds its tachyons that blink out and mag magically uh, reappear in Dimension X, having jumped out of our space-time continuum altogether. At the point the tachyons break off from the neutrinos, a shock wave is created that shows itself as a blue flash of uh, Cherenkov radiation. In dimension X, each tachyon splits in two, with one particle moving forward in time and the other moving backwards in time. This is in accordance with their spin and electrical charge, whether positive or negative. How can we break the veil or circumvent this block? Um, well, tachyons can be modulated through radar beam transmissions. Are tachyons available from pyramids? Certain locations on planetary surfaces lend themselves to an intersection of magnetic lines of force. These can serve as attractors for neutrino particles. Psychics and certain others sensitive to these magnetic lines have accessed energies from these spaces and have erected structures of a spiritual nature to denote the special locations of particle concentration where cosmic rays of aura neutrinos impact the Earth and actually travel through it. Is the subatomic uh, anu from the logoic or monadic plane created by pyramids consistent with the definition of tachyons? Well, these terms derived from 19th century theosophists that uh, denote areas of the cosmos resonant at much higher frequencies in lighter densities than are found in our own dimension. In this sense, the spiritual nature of the phenomena indicates the presence of a higher dimensionally or dimensional X existing as it is in a tachyon field. Are my pyramid system creating tachyons? No. Together with higher human consciousness, they may be attracting these particles. Uh, any device used in association with the pyramid systems may augment the temporary reduction of a tachyon particle to a photon luxon, a particle moving at the speed of light, or perhaps a 
bradyon, which is any other particle moving slower than the speed of light. Can the pyramid system scale, scalar fields technology I have act as a type I have act as a as a type of a porcy? As presently constituted and under the right circumstances, it might act as a teleportation receiving station. Will this transmit tachyons and tachyonized objects and people through the scalar field? A tachyon, as a part of neutrino, can pass through anything. However, a vector field is needed for the ending point of any physical transmission passing through the medium of dimension X. A scalar factor can move it forward or backwards in time, but a vector field is needed to geographically place the object in a desired location. Any object or individual can be considered as tachyonized if it, he, she has moved through time as well as space. This is why vectoring is important. Because the Earth is not standing still, and you would not want to end up in deep space a few moments later as the result of standing still in, in one scalar point. Uh, your um, tachyonization service appears to be working as an attractor to highlight the presence of portal locations. The Chinese space program has already teleported a photon through space of time, a photon. Therefore, all of this is in the range of possibility. In any event, uh, experimenting in these areas could not hurt. Collaboration with others working on time anomalies and displacements might be in order. What can you tell me about the planet Nibiru and its passing through the solar system? Uh, the information provided to our friend Cosmic Ray, uh, also known as the Matrum scribe uh, Publius Virgilius Morrow by Lady Ankara, the ISIS command ship commander, uh, regarding Nibiru as a rogue planet and appearing in his second Venus book, is quite accurate. Uh, I have nothing additional to add to that. What about pole shifts and other celestial events? Because the Earth's skewed axis causes a planetary wobble, polar shifts will forever accompany uh, your world as changes in the magnetic field of the Sun will be facilitated by the passing of planetary, planetoids, asteroids, and comet bodies that will surely exaggerate the effects on your orb's active geology. Your planet is due for an axial flip, which generally occurs about every 5,000 years or so. Beloved Chinese friends, we exult in the great advancements in space research and developments being made in the People's Republic of China. You can all be proud that you are playing an important role in China's entry into the new age of space exploration. I hope that I have provided some help in fostering a greater personal and collective understanding of the universe and China's integral place in the forward movement of its cosmic evolution and destiny. Being dear to our hearts, we of Abihar are standing by to attend you. Our teachers from multidimensional levels live and work among you to hasten the arrival of the glories to come. This is the Queen 
Order of Abhar. Okay, that's pretty cool there. Um, uh, I'm glad it's not playing the next uh, sound. But um, I want to address a couple things here. One, you may notice she has a South American or a Spanish accent. And I imagine when she speaks Venusian, she probably has the same accent. She's lived on Earth, um, as I said, now on and off for 430, born in 1585, do the math, uh, 434 years, five years, something like that. Coming up in 2020, it'd be 435 years. Uh, in 1830, she moved from the Earth to Venus, and uh, in 2012, she was made the queen. So she doesn't spend much time here at all, if any. But uh, I want you to realize that there's a reality to the physical part, and a lot of our understanding of wanting to elevate them to gods or demigods is difficult. Um, I've got a lot more to share. I'm going to ask Don, uh, can we go uh, another hour? We'll see if he can answer that. I'm not sure, but um, sure. Yeah, we can. Uh, okay, great. Sure, gonna, sure. Okay, thanks a lot, Don. So now, now I'm going to share with you a, a little bit about that China conference. Now, when we went to the China conference, um, unfortunately, Raymond and I, uh, along with the people that sponsored us, were arrested. And um, as a result of that arrest, we spent about 14 hours in interrogation. It, it wasn't really that hard. Um, I knew that we were on a mission of light, that Raymond was friends with the Queen of Venus, and nothing was really going to happen to us of any substantial uh, concern. The worst they could do was basically deport us. But the sweet, innocent light workers who bought us there um, were fined $7,000 total between, uh, I think, three people. And uh, one woman was forced to lose her business. They made us stay four extra days, and uh, <coughs> it was quite an ordeal. <coughs> and um, so as a result of that, uh, we got one of our conferences in, and the second location, they came in in the morning. We actually asked them, why did you come here? They came in with 55 people. It hadn't quite started yet. There were only 35 in the room. People were still coming in, and they stopped them. At the outside, about nine o'clock, and I saw them. I went in my room. Um, I hid my computer under the bed, and I deleted a bunch of files because I was doing business there. And I, but I was having them manufactured for me, and so I took all my files and stuck them deep inside folders, inside folders. I figured they'd never find it; they never did. But they made us bring our computers, our phones. They brought along a um, um, interpreter of ours and another interpreter that they had, especially for the event. And dear Raymond, I was catching a little bit of a cold, and I told them to take good care of them. They separated everyone in the, in the classic interrogation technique and asked us our questions. Our, our, our answers were all consistent. And the people that bought us there, we knew – um, uh, they were coming to speak about our information, but we don't know how they promoted it. And um, I kind of downplayed what I talked about in, uh, as far as the ETs, and I misled them in that regard. But um, they have no right to interfere with people 
ideas and information. So actually, at the end of the story, they let us out. The people were spanked and fined. The girl lost her business. But because of the tremendous hardship, um, Valiant Thor, uh, through Raymond, sent a couple messages. And this is the a couple gifts, actually, to them. And you see this picture that you've been looking at? It's called My Friend from Outer Space. This is an original mint condition copy that was uh, has, been, has been kept on Victor One in their library of Dr. Frank Strange's uh, first uh, small pamphlet about his meeting with Dr. Frank Strange's at the Pentagon. Quite amazing. So he sent one to me. Dr. Keller, and I don't know if he sent another one, but Dr. Keller probably gave his to another inner circle meeting, a very faithful brother named Jeff Hutchinson, uh, is received one of these. Uh, he also um, um, sent um, one of these messages uh, about the book, written, as you'll notice here, for those of you who read Chinese, this is perfect Mandarin script from Commander Valiant Thor. I can't even imagine, you know, he, he could probably write French backwards and speak English at the same time. One of those uh, uh, very highly elevated uh, spiritual beings. So basically, I forget exactly, but it says uh, something like, Dear, dear people of China, uh, I send a gift. This is uh, my experience. Uh, is what he says, because uh, it was talking about Dr. Frank as um, of what that experience was. So uh, for those of you who speak Chinese or read Mandarin, um, you can check it out. So that was a gift that he sent to them, that we sent to them in China. Now, um, he also sent another gift. I'm going to share that with you. And they have some... I call, we're calling it the uh, uh, the Rose of Venus study groups in China. Uh, Cobra had Sisterhood of the Rose, but uh, they're focusing now to uh, get more uh, spiritual information instead of the kind of fear-based stuff that, that Cobra seems to be coming out with in regards to the endless secret agent activities. But uh, you'll notice this is a small rose gold pendant very small, actually, um, that was just given as a small token of appreciation to uh, uh, one of the women uh, of the group. Her name is um, Sue in English, um, and they're under a social credit there. By the way, when we were released, they had put bugs in all of our computers and phones. The Chinese people took out their batteries. We took no electronics into the room. We had to talk about the arrest and so forth. They were in amazingly good spirits because um, they were actually little uh, rebels for the light there in China. Um, China's a great country. The people are very sweet and kind. However, um, their government's like any other government. They want control. And hopefully these things will be changing all over the world. I'm going to share with you now. Um, uh, the inside cover of that book, and uh, I don't know, let's see, yeah, you can see that, now you can see the picture of my friend from Earth, that's the original, I think I might even say where it's printed there, down at the bottom, but it truly is uh, a very unique piece, and it is out of print now, 
So from that experience, um, the people in China have, um, I won't, I can't really talk about it. I don't think the Chinese authorities need to get on it, but they're, you know, uh, they're, let's just say they're doing good works over there. I don't want to talk about anything or get them in trouble, but, um, they were pretty much innocent. They were just trying to share information, but of course, uh, uh, various governments and societies, including our own with the WikiLeaks and the, the Snowden, you know, and the government's complaining treason, treason for exposing crimes of the deep state, the military intelligence and uh, the war machine of the United States government, which acts as a police force for the elitist control or oligarchy. I'm not really political in that sense that most people think, but I fight against tyranny wherever I can find it. So uh, this is evidence of a very interesting thing that Dr. Uh, Raymond Keller gave to us as a gift from Valiant Thor. So I've been able to ask a series of questions. Um, One of them is a personal message question, and I think I might be able to, um, if I can find, uh, this is it, one of the questions that I ask, and this will give you a very interesting perspective um, on these contacts. And as I said before, uh, Dr. Keller has no idea when these uh, contacts are going to take place. Uh, basically, um, what happens is they just appear to him. Um, I had asked him before if I could mail some letters. They appeared to him. He gives them the letters sometime in the next two or three weeks. Either the letters are materialized in his room or um, he has a meeting and gets a letter somewhere. He never knows. He's like, he could be uh, uh, at a coffee shop and he'll be there and they just walk over a table, sit down, have a conversation and boom, it's over. Uh, so. Um, I continue to write some letters, many of them personal questions, many of them about the current situation. And I've found uh, from my understanding now, they won't answer very many personal questions uh, for me. Um, They were very kind to um, take my DNA and give me some health advice, which will come in a previous recording that you'll be able to hear. I have to redact some other information that I do not want Uh, revealed at this time about my personal life. All the spiritual information I'm giving freely is a tremendous gift that we have. I I know I'm going to be trolled and people are going to have a problem with this information. And if you don't believe it, it's okay. Just please keep your negative personal comments uh, out of it. Just say, I don't think it's, I think it's a bunch of hooey. That's okay. I'm not going to delete you or have a problem, but I don't want any attacks or claiming Raymond's not a a real doctor, uh, they claim that on his books on Amazon, which you can get the Venus Rising Trilogy by Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller. Uh, there was a negative comment on one of his books saying he wasn't a doctor. He simply showed Amazon his doctorate, and um, that was that. So uh, one of the reasons I'm releasing this in this fashion is to let people go over this information. And I want you to really assess in your mind All you new age workers, and me included, have wanted to know the truth. What is happening? Why are are everything so secret and what's going on? And now is the time of first contact. George Adamski was a type of first contact. And Raymond and I, in the end of the show, I'm going to share a video with you where uh, Raymond had arranged this actual interview. And um, so... This first contact is taking place now. I'm very honored that they're allowing me 
to be the public face of this. And this is because of my longstanding service to the mission uh, and of light and truth and struggle for justice. And like Raymond, my entire life, I've lived, breathed, thought every waking moment about the extraterrestrials and the coming changes. And this isn't about extraterrestrials so much as about coming internal change and emancipation of humanity from false philosophies and lies that have been placed on our planet by subtle alien intervention, along with complicit um, um, uh, manipulation that's taken place within our societies amongst our own peoples who have been literally at the bottom of the barrel has become the leaders of our world. And this is a sad state of affairs. And uh, like a Knight Templar um, rises up, we will all rise up and emancipate ourselves in, in the power of truth, not in the power of violence. So this is what's coming forth at this time. And I thought about it constantly and through Raymond who, um, actually um, I talked to them after I came back from uh, the portal to Ascension conference, I tried to release uh, one of these recordings and it was not respected people. I mean, I just couldn't conceive I'm giving this message. It was the end. And they actually came up to interrupt me to say goodbye to Michael Tellinger. God bless him. But um, they're not grasping first real contact. We're able to communicate back and forth directly now, and I'm asking uh, certain questions. Uh, so Raymond is the Cosmic Postman for me, and I'm the Cosmic Postman for Raymond to you. And I'm here to promote Raymond so that people can invite him and me in various shows and radio shows or together to share our information and to answer all the questions that you have in regards to ascension, many other aspects of this uh, merging or this interplanetary cultural exchange that's needing to take place. It cannot take place in the mainstream media. It cannot take place through government representatives because of the government's misuse of power. It must come from the grassroots, from the uh, real contactees although there are real contactees in the government, in the military, and in science circles, in all aspects of our technological, even musical, and uh, intellectual circles at the highest level are being influenced either openly or clandestinely to the individual uh, in their communications uh, with Venusians, whether they know it or not. So this is the type of intervention that has been going on. And in the future, I'll be asking why it's been uh, clandestine. Uh, they kind of explain that in some of these questions that they've answered here. But um, um, I'm hoping that we can get into a dialogue to release a series of information to answer the truth of what happened in Atlantis and other things like that. We'll have to see. I get a. I don't want to get too greedy or take too much time of our beloved friends. They're very, very busy in their ministrations to us on the earth. So I'm going to go into now, uh, I had asked some questions and I'll preface some of these questions just a bit um, um, as they come through, because these are only the answers, but I'm going to read to you um, what took place. And what happened was, um, as I said, Raymond never knows. I wrote these questions and then um, the guy uh, approached Raymond somewhere 
Um, I have no idea where Raymond doesn't tell me any of that and he doesn't know when, uh, but they basically, uh, he had his notepad with him and uh, I think they went into his car. This is the uh, message. He was in the car and what happened was, is because I had asked for the questions a little late, they wanted to get them to me uh, before I did the Portal to Ascension conference, but I didn't even release these me- these answers. But the way it worked was um, the security chief established telepathic communication with Valiant Thor and the Queen, and he telepathically transmitted these messages uh, to Raymond, and Raymond uh, um, took them down. And I want to tell you, um, in Raymond's first incarnation, he was the scribe Virgil Publius Maro of the first Caesar sometime in the first century uh, B.C. Um, in those that incarnation, not only did as Caesar spoke words and edicts and laws, he would write them down and they'd, be, uh, they'd travel around the world and, of course, within Rome itself. He's also known as the poet Virgil. And if you go back to your Roman history, he wrote uh, poems and information uh, about his encounters with a woman named Lady Ancara. Lady Ancara um, eventually reveals to Virgil about sometime in the first century BC that she's from Venus. So this is Raymond's first incarnation on Earth. He came from Venus on a mission. He had to go through a series of lifetimes. Lady Ancara, if we fast forward to modern day, she was the woman known in the Mormon religion as Annalie Scarin. Look her up on Amazon. And she went by another name, Christy Mercy, as a pseudonym. But she has a beautiful, beautiful scriptures about a spiritual walk with God that I consider um, what many people would consider scripture, just a tremendously personal, deep, beautiful writing. And her story was she was excommunicated from the Mormon church um, for speaking the truth that Joseph Smith taught that women are equal to men, uh, that it is a mother-father God. It's not just a masculine, as all the religions want us to believe. And they excommunicated her and basically stoned her uh, into uh, obscurity. She wrote some beautiful books called Ye Are Gods, Sons of God, and several others. But I'm very excited to have found her through Raymond. Now, the interesting thing is, Raymond being a UFO researcher, and uh, I think he was a member of the Mormon Church for a while. He's a member of a lot of different uh, intellectual and interesting uh, informations there. So, um, he... uh, was contacted by a guy named Reverend Parker, who followed Annalise Scarin as she was excommunicated and moved to Mount Shasta. Annalise Scarin ascended from Mount Shasta in 1987 
at the age of uh, 90 or something like that. And what happened was um, she'd come to this reverend. She was 83 years old and losing her teeth. And then um, next thing you know, she he appears to her, and she's a young girl, a beautiful young teenager, no older than 22. She was in a, a, what is called a Nimbus, a traveling device. And she held her arm up in the 90-degree salute, the sign of the Great White Brotherhood, and she literally ascended out of sight of the Reverend on Mount Shasta. We fast forward to 19, uh, I think it was 89 or something like that. And Raymond is running a group called Osiris, and he bought out, I think there were eight of them, seven women and himself. And uh, he met the Reverend Parker, and he took him up to the top of the parking lot, an upper parking lot in Mount Shasta, and he guided him to a location in Squaw Meadows. Raymond went up there. They sat near the waterfall, and um, uh, all of a sudden, Lady Ankara appeared, or who we now know as um, her name is Annalise Scarron, uh, and she has taken the name again now that she is a Venusian as Lady Ankara. She was in a silver space suit, and they all talked to her for three hours about things of outer space and various other um, uh, information. So um, then um, Raymond noticed behind her, um, she had some, there were some like bugs behind her. Raymond was like, you know, what the hell is going on? You got, what are those bugs? And she goes, actually, Raymond, I'm not here with you. I am bilocated on the planet Belaton, which orbits Sirius A. I'm working for the Venusian Hierarchy of Light, and we are establishing a colony with the permission of the native inhabitants, which are mantis beings. So now we have these insectoid beings that we've heard about, and in God's creation, it's a wide variety of intelligences. And... Um, Another thing that's going to blow your mind is that bees are the negative inhabitants of Venus, and the Venusians, the humans on Venus, communicate with them. Mostly the women are extremely telepathic. They put their left hand on the head of the bee, and they communicate. It is the same thing on Belaton. Uh, Lady Ankara, Annalise Scarron, puts her hand on the head of the mantis being, and they communicate. But they're allowing the Venusians to build longhouses. They have giant trees, and they're building these lodges uh, that are partially under the earth and inside the earth. They're going to have an outpost colony there. And uh, so Raymond goes, what are those beings? He says, those are not really on the mountain, Mount Shasta, as they appear to you. They're actually behind me on Belaton. And Raymond said they range from 18 to 13 foot tall. And, of course, I'm already, uh, when I'm getting this information, I'm just blown away. I'm just completely amazed and i'm like dude uh what's the deal with the insects or, you know he says well they guard the colobe as it's spoken of or the grand central in the morbin uh, scriptures and it's called the grand central sun and he actually referenced me uh and i researched 
there were some uh, mantis beings in the Egyptian hieroglyphics, very close to the throne of God. So this has ancient history, and this has to do with the revelations coming forth now of the myriad life forms in our galaxy and solar system, uh, and the administration on the physical plane, as well as the administration on the multidimensional planes, is what uh, Raymond and I will are going to try and give you over time. I'm very excited to release this information, so it's just a little new, and I'm just getting gathering this together. So I'm going to read to you now the letter you've been looking at for so long. It says, it's October 2nd, 2019, and I'm with Alon at an undisclosed location in the eastern United States. First, many thanks for your kind words. You're much appreciated by me on many levels. I just want you to know that. Here I have a word of introduction about Alan. He is a member of the Shanaruna, otherwise known as the Earth-Based Security Detachment at the service of the Queen's Collective on Abahar. Abahar means Planet of the Bees. His first and only incarnation on Earth took place in the late 6th century BCE under the reign of Darius the Great at Persopolis, an ancient ceremonial capital of the first Persian Empire. He was born into the class of Magi, a high court magus and beekeeper in the Zoroastrian religious tradition. And then Raymond calls himself by his first incarnation. This is Publius Virgilus Morrow uh, turning time over to Alon. Alon will read the questions and uh, will answer them for you to the extent permitted by the collective. I hope that his I hope I will type his responses as they are given. Alon, it's a great pleasure for me to answer your questions. Uh, Brother Rob, to the extent that I am able, I regret that for lack of sufficient time, the others cannot personally answer. However, they have empowered me to do so telepathically on their behalf. And, and all others send their love and thanks to your thoughtful and beautiful gifts. I had sent some bees and so, uh, little uh, bee pins that, my girlfriend in China had given me these beautifully crafted little brooches of golden and different bees, and I sent them to all the Venusians I've met, and they actually received by Valiant Thor, Jill, Don, uh, uh, the Queen, and several others. Um, that I, one, the guy that introduced me, into, in, in, inducted me into the Order of Melchizedek in Las Vegas when he came down briefly to uh, for my swearing-in ceremony. It says, as a friend, uh, Ali, a Publius Virgil Morrow, otherwise known as Cosmic Ray, in the work of enlightening the Earth's secrets of truth, I will interpret the points of Virgil's reading of your correspondence where appropriate with my response, and Virgil will type the response. This first one is a reply from the Commander Valiant Thor. And I had asked him some questions in regard to uh, one of the, a guy named Commander X from the 50s. His name was Michael Barton. And it revolved around his contact with Valiant Thor. And he had written some information about ascension and consciousness. And these are some of his comments. Michael Barton's books are highly recommended for the most part as being instructive in guiding the seeker to an accurate and expansive knowledge of the space brothers and sisters and their missions here on Earth. To the best of his ability, Brother Barton, otherwise known as Michael X, described his writings uh, upon the most current scientific findings of 
of his day, along with accumulated UFO data and personal investigations. Like me, Brother Barton was a student of the occult sciences and enjoyed both metaphysical, real, physical contact with Abahans and other extraterrestrial entities. That means people of Venus or the planet of the bees. Um, However, please keep in mind that his observations are clouded by his own background and reflect uh, a distinct apperception, not necessarily shared or so interpreted by other contactees. Doesn't mean they're wrong. Brother Rob, unfortunately, uh, this next thing is in regards to myself. As I mentioned before, I had kind of lamented about um, some of my mental conditions and thoughts um, and their private when I was with them before and some of my shortcomings, my impatience, and, you know, I basically was kind of whining. I'm not worthy. I'm so grateful to ask these questions. Thank you for taking mercy on me, a peon, (laughs) kind of is how I was phrasing it, because I'm very humble and contrite, and I want to be a good representative and do my best, and this is his answer to me, and it it kind of scolded me for that, but if you uh, replay this message and listen carefully, it's quite... um, uh, deep what he says actually unfortunately this is a type of perception adhered to by devotees of many religions false they falsely judge themselves in the harsh light of imposed standards of works rather than a faith that inspires positive actions on behalf of fellow humans and other souls on the planet basically i shouldn't be thinking negative thoughts of doubt or limitation i should stand into the truth of who i am and move forward with confidence but I'm always wondering if I really am speaking the truth. So in the highest celestial hierarchies, it is understood that the motivation of one's heart is a primary factor. One could say that the elevation is more like joining the French foreign legion. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It's your willingness to serve humankind to the best of your ability that counts. This is in accord with the teachings of Lord Dismas, the regent and high counselor on the planet you call Venus, as I mentioned, he is the ascended master Almoria, or the accidental apostle that died with Christ on the cross. Brother Rob, and this is a nice thing for him to say, and I'm okay with reading this one. Tell the people of Earth you're loved by us, your brothers and sisters of Abahar, your victory of the light mission is truly reflective of our efforts and desires for the further light knowledge that Dr. Frank worked so hard to impart to humankind to promote the widest dissemination. Many celestial blessings always encompass you and perfect you, the light workers, in the ring of holy, purifying fire. Allow the angels to help each of us to do what we can do to protect the world created for all humankind. In the spirit of divine love, let every moment be filled with God's creative power for all eternity. Our channels are always open to you. This is Valiant Thor, Commander, Victor One. We are of one mind. So that last question I had said, look, I really hope I can do, you know, a fragment of what Dr. Frank bought in learning and knowledge because he used to go on board the ships quite frequently, at least twice a year. Valiant Thor would pick him up and he would go on various journeys uh, with Commander Thor or Don you know, he's been to the mothership, he's been to Venus, he's been to the center of the earth where the giants live and the they call the Smoky God or the, the little sun in there. Just so full of information that he only shared with his inner circle, and I can understand why. But um, I'm not afraid to bring this out. I know I'm going to be attacked, um, but 
I've got the goods now. If you believe, you believe. If you don't, you don't. If you like workers of the worlds, I want you to be encouraged by this message. Um, I'll be able to answer many different things. So you can see here, one of the questions I had asked Alon was, I was kind of curious about Corey Good and um, uh, what exactly the level of contact. And they're very tight-lipped about this on a certain level. But you can see they say they, they know that he has uh, had contact with non-allied beings. And I'll finish this first. There are other interdimensional beings similar to the Blue Avians that Corey Good has described in his presentations. There also exists many other hybrid species of extraterrestrials created in an epoch knowing, known as the Syrian Shift that occurred countless millennia ago with the expansion of the Aldebaran forces outside their own star sector and the Pleiades cluster as well. Your moon is a way station for interplanetary spacecraft, but is under the purview of the Abahar, uh, of Abahar and Commander Reigns, who you're going to see video of my interview. That's the woman I interviewed. Preparations are ongoing for the eventual arrival of Terrans on the moon and Mars. Colonization of the far side of the moon and certain locations on Mars will be restricted. That is all I'm permitted to say at this time. We decline to comment further on Corey Good's reliability. The truth will be recognized with an adequate gnosis received by the masses. Uh, uh, so that was a question I had had there. So we go forward. Um, um, and I had a question about some contactees, you know, misstating certain things or making certain claims. I believe many of them have had real, real contacts. In fact, I know that some of them have for sure, but I was kind of concerned of where they're taking their representation and what was going on. And so this is a general warning, not only to me, but to other people um, who intend to represent the hierarchies of light or have physical contact. Some people are having out-of-body contacts or channeling, which I'm going to say is very unreliable. I don't really, you got to have to really show your chops and answer hard questions if you're channeling. Um, there's a lot of going. So here he says, Brother Rob, as you know, we're not pleased with the contactees who have used advanced extraterrestrial knowledge or twist it to that matter in the way of self-promotion uh, or the formation of cults of personality. Those truly walking in the light will never needlessly frighten, alarm, or take advantage of any individuals in any way whatsoever. Here is where Dr. Frank Strange's might conclude spiritual discernment comes into play. So if someone quacks like a duck, uh, walks, waddles like a duck, and looks like a duck, you can be pretty sure it's a duck. And then I'd ask him a question. Uh, I know that the pole shift is, <clears throat> we're within 500 years of a pole shift. It takes place every 500 years. A magnetic shift happens all the time. But an axial flip is what would do damage. And so he says, have no fear, my friend. The magnetic poles of Shine are always in flux. And occasionally, guest is with us. Okay. And occasionally flip. The big problem will come with an axial slippage or flip. But that is event further along in the midst of time, not in our lifetimes. This is Alon of Abahar. So I want to go back to the previous uh, a question that I'd kind of gone over. Um, when it said uh, um, the Syrian shift. So there are many different beings, and there was this 
Aldebaran forces and some forces in the Pleiades. The Pleiades is not all benevolent and haven't always had a great history, just like we haven't had a, own, a great history on our own earth and how we treat each other. Keep that in mind, folks. But um, the Syrian shift was utilizing a very advanced technology known as the Rill. And the Pleiadians and the Aldebarans were raging throughout the galaxy using their advanced technology and coming to planets and actually having the gall to genetically alter them. In fact, on Venus, about 18 million years ago, um, the people from Tau Ceti had uh, appealed to the naval inhabitants of Venus, which were really five foot and larger bumblebees. Um, it's amazing for you to believe, but the bumblebees were one of the most highest evolved consciousness on Venus at the time and still are very intelligent and a unique history here. I'm going to reveal to you that will blow your mind. Again, this is available in Dr. Raymond Keller's Venus Rising Trilogy, and I recommend you read this. He's listed it as magic realism, but it's absolutely real. We're going to get to Raymond here in a little bit. So it says... Um, there are many other extraterrestrial races. So what happened, if you remember that uh, um, um, there was a, a movie out called um, Prometheus about a spacecraft that lands, that we land on a foreign planet. We go down there, we find this crashed spaceship, and we go inside. They start scanning it with lasers to see what's there, and there's these giants sleeping there. And it turns out they're not so nice, but... Um, there's these giant tables and they put their hands over the table and it shows a, a species of people. Now that actually exists. There is a chamber created by the Anunnaki, which is a group from the planet Nuburu. So I'm going to tie some things in for you. And they have a, they created an underground temple beneath Romania called the Brasigi complex, which the world's elite, uh, the United States government and the Romanian government control the information and there's tunnels. And I recommend you go to skybooks.usa uh, or Peter Moon um, on Amazon and look up Radu Cinemar. There's five books in that series. It's fantastic. I'm not going to go too deep into it. But um, that movie was taken from information because in that chamber, which the queen had answered for me uh, in another message that you'll hear um, was a, a hybrid of, of um, Terrans or earth people and Anunnaki that had gone underground and they created this time capsule chamber uh, for humans. And there's three tunnels. One goes to Egypt, one goes, and it goes to a, a place beneath the Sphinx. It's a capsule chamber, and somehow there's an interdimensional road that they travel on. There's another one that goes to the inner Earth, and the third one goes to Iraq. We've gone through a series of books called Transylvanian Sunrise, Transylvanian Moonrise, Egypt, the First Tunnel, The Secret Parchment, and um, now we have uh, Inside the Earth. Uh, I believe it's called Inside the Earth's Second Tunnel. So let's go back now to the Vril Society. Um, and in that tunnel, they showed what the two beings would look like if you splice them together. So that's kind of wild, going to a planet, taking humans and splicing them with bees. But that's exactly what the Aldebaran or Pleiadian or combination 
forces did. They saw a human bee as a perfect, uh, <laughs> you know, um, farmer worker. Uh, and they reigned supreme by altering the Tausetians or the human side into a hybrid bee. They basically made it impossible for the bees to access the real technology of the day. Well, nature took its course. A meteor struck Venus and put up a, a huge cloud, which, like War of the Worlds, was a bacteria that uh, caused the Aldebarans and the Pleiadians uh, to flee, and they couldn't inhabit it. The Earth, they, many of them had died in this explosion, leaving the technology. And we'll have to go into the future of that. But the bees now, 25 million years later, have gone back to being more actually bee-like, and the humans have gone back to being more uh, human-like, although there are vestiges of bee people. This is just wild stuff, folks. And I know it's out there, but you're going to have to expand your mind. If you want to understand the nature of the infinite mind of the creator, we cannot limit it. So Raymond is revealing to me many things that's helping me understand uh, the complex nature of the cosmic hierarchy of light's plan. So now I'm going to um, uh, go into the second part. It says the moon is a way station for interplanetary spacecraft, uh, but it's under the, the, the control of the Venusians and Commander Reigns. I'll also say that the Venusians are in control of everything in the solar system. This uh, solar system belongs to a certain confederation. There are many confederations. And as you remember in the first answer that Elon gave in regards to Corey Good, he said those are non-aligned beings. It doesn't mean they're negative beings. What it means is they're not members of the Venusian-specific uh, uh, confederation. And uh, there's federation, confederation alliance. It doesn't matter. The name is not important. It's that there's different groups. And in this uh, system, we are members of a certain confederation. And the leader of that confederation on the physical plane in our system is the planet Venus. The leader of the planet Venus is Raymond's friend, the Queen of Venus, Lady Orda, whose pictures you have seen. Uh, she is also, because of her long life on the Earth, the importance the Earth is playing in the cosmic shift at this time, she has also been elected as the head of the solar hierarchy of light and as a representative on the, uh, the leader of the Council of Saturn, the Saturnian system, and also the Jupiter portal. Uh, so when people come from other worlds, they travel on magnetic filaments or pathways, and they will come into the largest body within the solar system if they're not... Uh, capable to travel through the interdimensional portal of the sun itself, they will come into the planet Jupiter. It's called the Jupiter portal. Uh, Jupiter's moons, several of them are artificial, and they act as an education center for extraterrestrials uh, in the far reaches of space within our confederation. Other allied confederations, are non, even non-allied planets, can come here to interact in our solar system and observe and study the Earth during this uh, momentous occasion of shift. And um, the Queen and the Venusians and the solar hierarchy of light um, guide and direct all protocols of contact by Pleiadians, by blue sphere beings, or anything else. Uh, 
Uh, everyone who contacts the earth or anything to do with us has to go through a specific protocol with our solar hierarchy of light. And generally speaking, uh, I think that that is the same for other systems. If we were to go there, uh, if, the, if the Venusians wanted to go there or so forth and so on, they would have to go through the hierarchy and control of that system. So I'm going to give you some planet names that you can understand who are our confederation involves and involves Tau Ceti and involves Alpha Centauri. It involves, of course, Belaton in the center near the galactic central sun around Sirius A and involves some planets in the Pleiades. When Raymond Khan's on, he can maybe tell us more. Raymond but, is on. I know, and but waiting for, oh. I, I want to get through this stuff quick so we can ask questions to him. And uh, I want to get this other video played and then we can uh, – you know, go with Raymond's wisdom. We're going to have him on all next week. So if anyone's out there listening and you want to tune in, I'm going to recommend you get on the uh, BBS line and, and get ready to call in. Uh, when we have some other callers, I'll uh, bring Raymond on and we can ask some questions here. So um, the thing that the queen mentioned about Nibiru, everyone wants to know it's in Raymond Keller's second book, rockets to Venus, get that at amazon.com. Anyway, um, the, uh, uh, planet Nibiru was in the Sirius system and something happened and it escaped its orbits of its sun. And it just was floating free through space. And, um, it ended up getting captured by our sun in a very long elliptical orbit of 1,600 years. Now, Raymond, uh, through his time on Venus, observing and access to the Akashic Records, um, through a technology mentally connecting to the um, interdimensional technology on the planet Uranus beneath the ice caves, was able to look into many things and discover many things in his association with Venuches and his teachers there. And one of them was about Nibiru. Everyone's fearful for it. Now, it's 1,500 years away. So Nibiru will not be of any concern to us. Um, Nibiru, um, and I'm not going to go into Zachariah Sitchin or that history. That will come in a later show. But uh, Nibiru, when it does come through, uh, will be visible at the South Pole. And when it comes through, it's a big, it's a big planet. Um, it's almost like a comet, but it's not. It's just a big planet coming through here, and it does disrupt and cause volcanoes and movement and affects the tectonic plates of the Earth. And I'm not sure of um, what our condition would be and how that can be avoided or how we brace for it, but that's a long way off, not in our lifetime. Don't worry about it, folks. So um, uh, that's a story on the planet Nibiru. Um, so now I'm going to uh, let you know that the backside of the moon, all the bases there, all the other planets that are there are under the control of the lady that you're going to see in my actual face-to-face -face interview with her on uh, coming up here. I'm going to release one question, and I'm going to let you see her, and I'm going to let you talk about her answer. She's quite beautiful, and to be honest with you folks, I was not even listening to her answers because I knew I was recording. I was going to get them later, and I've gone over them a lot. I was just staring at her in amazement and awe at her beauty, her deep eyes, and, you know, uh, she was actually, it was quite cute. I don't want to say she was flustered, but... Um, I know that um, 
uh, and up to this interview, I was told I can only ask eight questions. As I said, they screened them and I, they were given them. And I was told that the meeting would take place at any time. And I thought maybe in Mount Shasta, maybe next year in South America, he didn't give me any time frame or anything, but I'd be able to record them. Well, lo and behold, Raymond and I were at a, a library in um, uh, near where he lives. And we walk in and they're there. Raymond didn't know. I didn't know we were going to go and he's going to show me some UFO books. And there they were. For some reason, no one came in the room. We got to introduced. We each took pictures with her. I took a picture because I wasn't sure I wanted to, you know, bring the attention to Raymond, but we should have got a picture of all three of us. But uh, um, we got pictures. We sat down. I um, had my questions on my uh, computer, which I happened to have. I whipped that puppy out and they asked that I read them exactly. And she actually had written her answers out because this is a very important first contact. They wanted to um, make sure that um, the response given was exact and was within alignment with what they are willing to let us know. And as you'll notice when we get to that video, that I asked questions that I knew most of the answers to, but I was asking them for you, the general populace, who have these basic questions and want to know the answers. But before I get to that, I'm going to um, give you a reply from the beloved queen. I call her the beloved queen because uh, she's head of the Venusian Collective. And when you get into the stuff on Venus, we'll be able to talk to Raymond in this and other shows. So I want this to get out there. If you're listening, you want to tell your friends to tune in. And we're going to be giving amazing information. So here's um, um, a message uh, to the queen, to me from the queens. Very kind. Thank you very much for your faithfulness in working for peace on earth, and particularly for fostering among the circles of light workers, the ones who should be setting the example that leads to the inclusion of your world in the celestial realms. On presenting truth, please know that when you're walking in the light, the Holy Spirit will prompt you in what you should say or do. Have no fear in that regard. I was asking, look, I'm getting these messages. How do I rele release this information without ego? How do I present it in a way that's worthy of respect um, that, you know, doesn't, you know, I, you know, I don't want to start charging money for this or whatever, but I wanted to figure out how to do it. She just said, let the Holy Spirit prompt you. And, you know, I, I've expressed in, uh, concern about Raymond. He's very kind. He, you know, was making $10 an hour at a, a religious uh, um, uh, Christian help group that helps people. He drives people to get their medication, shopping, doctor's appointment, arranges indigent elders to get housing. He's just a wonderful person. And um, he travels a long way to, to present his book, sometimes spending more on gas in a hotel room than he makes in his book sales, like a little peddler. And I just... Uh, really, I'm grateful that I have this opportunity to share with you the importance of his work and um, the knowledge from this uh, adept. Um, he's my friend. And he's our brother. And um, as she says, Virgil understands he's the cosmic postman. He delivers a message, and what those receiving it do afterwards is up to them. Virgil expects nothing in this incarnation, although contingencies for his financial and personal well-being have already been taken care of.
of Semyasi. She is a commander uh, in the uh, Pleiad and Interstellar Forces uh, charged with monitoring their oath contingent. Insofar as the Pleiadians conform to the protocols established on Abahar for establishing Earth contact from time to time, we have worked together. However, she is not aligned with Abahar or our own confederation of planets. Now, for those of you who know me, I was with Dr. Fred Bell. Wendell Stevens was sending us notes from Billy Myers in 1974. We were having contacts. Most of mine were lights. Um, and um, I believe I met her a couple times um, uh, on the earth, but those were telepathic and unconfirmed, but I'm pretty sure they were because my telepathy nowadays from what I'm understanding is correct, and all my Venusian understandings were real. So I believe I do know her. The time I do know I physically met her is when I physically beamed up. So I was asking some questions. So basically, um, I wanted them to, she didn't answer specifically my question. Uh, you know, that's, I don't know what it is, but there's certain protocols that I can't get my answers. Uh, you know, they're not like Raymond, who I can ask any question, <laughs> and Raymond gives me the answer. They're very careful with that for, with me right now. Uh, yes, so the next thing. Yes, Brother Gabe shared an awareness that while those of Abahar and some other extraterrestrial planets uh, do live quite extended lifetimes, enjoy a technology that those of Terra can only refer to as magic, we of the third and fourth dimensional realms are not gods. About 18 and a half million years ago, by the reckoning of Earth time, scientists on Abahar began to study the complexities of DNA and cell composition and this interaction with the electrical impulses which course through the human or even hybrid body. To this, they utilized the equipment of a long-lost colonizing force from the Aldebaran system. They were scrutinizing the essences of the vital life forces of real energies. In this process, they came to understand that the exposure of nucleonic acids in a specific cell structure to controlled radiation levels could induce temporal interchange of somatopic particles. This resulted in eliminating the aging process in living tissue. They also succeeded in regenerating the damaged tissues through a subsequent acceleration of the healing process. The overall pattern of this process could thus be impressed upon every cell of a human or hybrid body through the infusion of higher levels of drill energies. In turn, this resulted in significantly expanded lifetimes for all Abijans. Uh, in some cases, this even extended for thousands of years, like uh, the, the security chief Alon. However, this process cannot extend a lifetime forever. That is why even the greatest masters in the third and fourth dimensions must eventually pass on and reincarnate in new bodies. The immortals, or those you perceive of gods, exist in the lighter densities of the fifth, sixth, and seventh dimensions to which we shall one day attain to. And just because we refer them to gods doesn't mean they're God. There is only one living God. This is the infinite mind of the creator, the creator of all dimensions, all time and space, all planets and everywhere. That's something different. So for those of you, this is not a devil God worship. This is simply an acknowledgement of the higher planes of existence. And we will all attain to. I'm going to move fast because I want to get that first question in for you. Ultimately, we shall find ourselves in the unity of spirit totally beyond the boundaries of space and time. We all begin in the field of consciousness, the lighter densities, and shall one day return there. Some philosophers compare the cycle to that of a drop of rain forming in the crowds or a birth of the individual consciousness, then falling into 
are returning to the ocean or cosmic consciousness whence we came. Your scientists are on the verge of discovering some of the keys to unlocking drill energies and significantly extending lifespans human and transhuman lifespans. When that time comes, you will be requiring our assistance in dealing with this properly to ensure the smooth transition of your civilization into a new and exciting age of expansion in the countless fields of endeavor. This is the queen of, or uh, this is the queen order of Abahar, Orda of Abahar. We are one mind. This is Publius. This is cosmic rain and Venus historian with Alon of Abahar, We Are of One Mind. I'm going to bring on Raymond Keller here. Uh, Raymond, I'm going to play this one. I'm going to pull up this one thing real quick. And um, uh, why don't we bring in how you doing? And I'm going to pull up the actual interview, and I'm going to play the introduction and first question so they can see um, Commander Aura Reigns. How are you, Raymond? Is he on there? Let me see. Um, uh, it's on my. It is with you. Okay. Are you there, Raymond? Can you speak? Uh, yes, I'm here. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to uh, all the BBS uh, uh, listeners. Okay, Raymond, we have a question from Donald Newsom, my producer and wonderful guy. He's been so patient with me in my weak technological spills skills his first question is solar novas and do they happen regularly like every 7,000 to 12,000 years uh, novas exploding stars yep um, they, they happen well the universe is of course is immense and and uh, these kind of uh, these kind of stellar uh, explosions are 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 happening all the time, but um, uh, but on a you know on a cosmic scale, um, in a time and a time scale, um, we're we're lucky if we see one every um, a couple hundred years. There was one uh, in China and seen over China and an exploding star in the twelfth century. Okay, so um, does anyone else uh, have a question? Are they in the chat? Or perhaps, uh, Don, would you like to answer, ask Raymond a question based on the information I've shared? Oh, actually, why not? You know, I'm just going to jump in here. You know, it's such an honor to have you with us, Mr. Geller. Such an honor. And uh, for me, not to take advantage of this would be just foolishness. And I, you know, I love, this entire wonderful aspect of life, which we get to realize that, you know, there's just everything, everything around us and we can connect up to it and be a part of it. And so people that recognize that really uh, earn my respect. You have my respect and what wonderful work you're doing. I love to support it and be a part of it. Um, thank you. Well, Mr. Geller, my question would be pretty simple. Some people claim, scientists, they claim that a sun will nova. Now, it won't explode, but it goes nova, like let's say on its 11,000-year cycle. Every so many years, I think our sun may be 11,000, I'm not sure. But it, and it goes into a very quiet, quiet period of time. And then it just shoots out solar flares 
to an extreme degree and it novas and they say that we see that in the glacial records we see that in uh, in um records of not only fossils but comets that we've recovered we see that on some people theorize that there are reports out that that even shows in samples of various uh, uh samples taken from the moon and mars but it shows that these planets were moved away from the sun at regular intervals in other words the planets were a lot closer at one time and every time the sun does this it causes this catalyst and then it it pushes the planets a little out a little farther and a little farther and the reason for the oort cloud is that the debris reaches you know that the this all when the when the sun novas this debris goes out to a certain point and creates what we now call you know the asteroid belt or what have you and so there was an alternative way of looking at these cataclysms cataclysms um maybe nibiru is a part of that i don't know but i just thought you know i've heard this a couple times and one fellow even wrote a book on it another scientist followed up with a book on it and then you have people talking about it and i thought hey it's worthy it's and and he says you know the and he has the geological records of of how fast the the ice will melt on the poles during these and then you'd have to correlate that with other data on various other parts of the planet to show that this is why and what occurred and and it would be rapid melting rapid melting of these polar regions uh to make these sorts of correlations and so it was over my head i mean it looked so so, so let's and 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 uh you know up to snuff but i don't know really what i'm looking at you know I mean, so you so i just want to say if you have a specific question otherwise you've given a lot of background here um so you just want to know that does the theory. sun do suns nova regularly like he says and is that something that we can look forward to seeing in the next 25,000 years or excuse me excuse me 25 years according to their maps and everything it's within 19 but it could be as far as 25 years from now. Okay. Uh well, um the sun um uh, the sun's magnetic field uh is subject to disturbances by the passing uh the passing of uh planetary and other bodies that are outside the outside the plane of the ecliptic. So all all the planets uh the known planets in our solar system are on this are on this plane of eclipse the the uh the ecliptic you know they're even and sp- evenly spread out from from the sun but when a rogue body passes through the through the solar system uh it, and it, or it's captured in the um uh in the gravitational uh pull of the sun but goes into a highly uh elliptical orbit then it'll affect the um, it'll cause perturbations in the orbits of of the other planets and it'll cause uh, coronal mass ejections on the surface of the sun so the the um the, the passing of this planetary body or this other body 
will um, uh, you know will induce um, induce these these kind of changes and a, a real excellent work to consult on that are all of those of uh, uh, Emmanuel Velikovsky and his Worlds in Collision. I, I want to say another published, thing. Actually published back in, in 19, uh, 1951. I, I just want to correct Don uh, on one thing, whatever the, that earth-based scientist with our limited understanding, not being able to travel and stuff, um, is that Nibiru uh, was an explosion caused by uh, an accumulation of um, uh, weapons that destroyed the planet. There was a, a, a bellicose warlike a planet that destroyed, and the planet, uh, it was not a solar flare. That's what I'm going to say on that. Um, do you have anything else to say, uh, Raymond? Um, no, no, nothing other than that I'd have a, as far as Nibiru goes, um, um, the detailed um, description of uh, of the um, the planet Anu and other planets in uh, in the um, in the Sirius star sector and the and the the mysterious third star the brown dwarf and uh, the Anunnaki and everything it's in uh, it's in uh, the final countdown rockets to Venus and it's given by given to me by by Lady Ankara herself the commander of the Isis mothership. She was he was gone when I talked about it, but she was the woman that he saw in the portal on Venus. We're getting close to the end of the second hour here. I want to uh, play real quick here, um, Raymond. Why don't you uh, 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 tell them a little bit uh, about when you first landed on Venus? While I bring up the this second uh, this message from uh, uh, Commander Reigns to play here. We're going to get this message in. You're going to hear one. Um, Maybe I just uh, better play it uh, uh, real quick here. I'm going to play the actual message. You're looking at a picture right now of two women that the queen had sent down. You notice the red berets. They have little gold pins on them. And those gold pins are, is the emblem of the people on Venus the, because the, they're, the, they're the people of uh, uh, Venus here. I'm trying to open up this. Uh, here we go. So now I've got the... Um, Thing. I'm going to stop sharing, and I'm going to go to the actual interview. And this is the first time release ever to the public uh, with my dear friend Raymond Keller sitting next to me um, and them allowing me uh, to uh, share this video is quite cool. And you'll tell I'm a little nervous, a little excited, and I'm reading this directly from the computer. But... Um, and just realize when I'm looking here, I'm not listening to her answers. I'm just staring at her. She is in partial disguise because she does have a, a position on Earth. But she's lived a very long time. She's been involved in the French, American, Caribbean, and South American revolutions uh, and helping the Earth people uh, gain uh, knowledge about uh, equality, liberty, and justice and the uh, struggle for peace, truth, and light. So here is my first question. It took place within literally six minutes of stumbling upon them in this uh, library. They know where we're going, and they monitor us, so it was easy for them to get ahead and, uh, and do their little thing. They have to be careful because the government has uh, stuff. So we're going to break out of this show right after this, folks. So you're going to get one little uh, message and answer. 
The volume starts off a little low, but don't worry, it'll pick up. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. And, and uh, this is a very, very special interview on the Victor of Light radio show and the blog. Um, I'd like to welcome the promised friends, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's a great honor to introduce you to Commander Lady Aura Rains. She's in service to the Earth as a leader of the Moon Base, the commander on the backside of the Moon, on the uh, colony they call Clarion. She is an, she's coming here as an authorized representative of the Venusian and the solar hierarchy of light. Um, she's uniquely qualified to answer my questions. I must. I must tell you, Commander, it's a, it's a great honor to meet you, and I wish to thank you very much from the bottom of my heart for coming here and uh, offering this, uh, this information to the people of Earth because it's very much needed at this time. Thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you. Okay. Uh, Commander Ray. The overall intentions of the mission of the Venusians and the Galactic Federation and Star Family on Earth, um, and why you're here in ever increasing frequency. Perhaps you might tell us of our past history of relationship to Venus and the Galactic Family. Certainly, I will. I have prepared my notes as well, and I just wanted to mention that human technological advances in areas of weapon weaponry delivery systems, and artificial intelligence have necessitated an increase in the Venusian presence on Earth. These advances by nations on Earth have outpaced any spiritual attainment that is necessary to properly channel these technological advances into more positive areas of investigation and application that will benefit all of humankind, and not just the selfish interests of national leaders. We, that is to say, the Venusians, have been interacting with your world on many levels since before the dawn of the four-day human history. Our emissary, Omnic Onik, and our historian, Dr. Raymond Keller, have provided further light and knowledge in their respective books on the subject. There are many. Um, okay, so that's the first little uh, message there. Um, that's a big teaser, folks, but uh, they get better. I don't have time to even share the rest of the questions. There's so much information. And to be honest, my um, unpreparedness in, uh, in, in my pictures uh, kind of broke my train of thought here. But you'll notice in there, I ha you, if you ever saw Seinfeld in the Swishy Pants episode, there was a noise that sounded like me breathing. <laughs> but it's the Swishy shirt. And my sound editor in the new, this is the last time you'll see it. It will be uh, edited out next week, so no more swishy here. Anyway, um, Raymond, uh, would you like to share uh, the audience with the audiences that, you know, we knew it was coming at some point. I didn't think it would be with you when I was visiting you. I actually thought it would be in Mount Shasta with the spaceship. And in that sense, as I told you, I thought it was a little anticlimactic. But can you tell about uh, your excitement and the first thoughts? It's always fun uh, for you to uh, meet them. It's always a, a surprise. Why don't you talk about that? Oh, yes. It's always a delight to encounter our brothers and sisters from, from Venus and, uh, uh, and other planets because they are here working for our good, uh, working clandestinely be behind the scenes to, uh, to foster uh, 
the objectives of uh, uh, of a universal a universal brotherhood uh, of humankind of our connection with the uh, uh, with the other inhabitants of the solar system the universe at large to include uh, other dimensions to encourage us to study uh, in all areas of, of of research to progress the human race so that we reach a point where we are once again worthy to enter into the uh, into the solar hi hierarchy of life. Raymond, I'm going to ask you one more question, then we're going to sign off. Folks, share this with your friend. Make it go viral. I want you to tune in, in next week. Raymond and I are going to go be on the show, and I'm going to share some more answers uh, and questions, and we might have uh, my uh, personal recording uh, already uh, edited. Um, Raymond, my last question for you is, you know, I used to think until I met you, I mean, I was kind of curious why all these different races having different things going on. It seems like there's so many different, quote, agendas or different species. It looks, you know, from what we're hearing and seeing from researchers and crashes and evidence, it's it just seems like a chaotic uh, zoo out there, and uh, it seems very random. Uh, but can you tell us... Um, a little bit about what I was saying about the, there's different confederations and I already gave the details of our confederation and solar hierarchy. Um, can you talk about the Pleiadians and the other groups? They have other federations, um, but they're not aligned with our federation, but they're still positive and beneficial. Can you talk a little bit about the different races, the different plants, the beings that come here and, and how the confederation monitors it and, are there any rules and restrictions? Well, um, a famous uh, science fiction writer and television producer got it all correct. Uh, that was Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek. And his philosophy behind, behind the series, which I think he got from the Venusians, <laughs> was infinite diversity and infinite combination. And this is, in fact, what we see in, uh, uh, in outer space. In the, in the vast immensity of outer space. And um, Helena Blavatsky, the co-founder of the Theosophical Society, back in the 1880s said that intelligence fills the immensity of space. And it's not just uh, humanoid forms, but e even here on Earth, we share our planet with other intelligent species that we don't, that we don't hardly pay any attention to. Um, the social insects like the ants, the bees, um, um, other other creatures like in the, inhabiting the sea, like the octo octopi and the and the dolphins, and uh, the list goes on uh, on and on. We're, we're all connected. The whole universe is connected. And the sooner that uh, we realize this on Earth, uh, the quicker we'll be welcomed. Uh, in, into a greater hole that's out there uh, in the universe. So we have all these different beings, the short ones, the small ones. We have the giant bones. Um, you know, you've tell, told me, and I'm telling the people, there's bee people and mantis beings on Belaton. Uh, could you uh, kind of, you know, we got the J.J. Hurtak revealed this in the Keys of Enoch. We got these, this Wild West amazing thing. Uh, you know, how do they all... Uh, talk and interact. I mean, obviously the bees and the, the mantis beings don't have vocal cords. So 
uh, as a telepathic communication. Can you just talk about the wild diversity and, you know, really some of them aren't meant to be seen. They're just coming here on, you know, just explain about that, that kind of stuff. What's going on with all these different groups? And yes, why are yes, there are many unseen realms. And of course, uh, right now we're just dealing with the third dimension and to some extent uh, ex beginning to explore uh, the fourth dimensional realms. But I can tell you that even within our own solar system, there's actually 60 planets, but but uh, um, only about uh, a fifth of them are are in the visible spectrum. Okay, so I'm just going to lead me into a question, the final question of a producer. So folks talk about the blue sphere beings. They may not even be out of the solar system. They may be just decloaked and lowered their entire planet to our system for a brief time. And they may have be within our solar system and not any uh, great cosmic travelers coming here. They may just be our some of the higher dimensionals within our own system. This is interesting and thoughts for people to postulate. And clearly, yes, um, yeah. Lady Columba entrusted me with her records. She was the secretary to uh, Truman Bethram, and uh, I have all of her all of her writings and drawings. And I shared them with uh, George Filer and uh, uh, and uh, our our other friend out in New Jersey at George Filer's home. Uh, not this last time, but the the first time that it, that I was there, and she had uh, the drawings of the uh, that she made of a meeting of the of the uh, Confederation on the cloak moon of Naeth that orbits Venus, and uh, she had the um, she had the blue avians in her drawing, and that was made in, in 1951. So here we have, in the picture I'm sharing, Lady Columba's on the left, the blonde woman. She's the woman uh, that ascended, um, uh, and her friend also ascended. They both met each other in India. Lady Columba was actually older when she drew those pictures in 1950. She ascended in the form of translation that we've talked about. This is the type of ascension that we need to get aware of. Now, instead of being blessed by an angel or going through the real technology on Venus, uh, her master came down, took a, her DNA, cloned her, downloaded her memories from her brain, and she woke up on the backside of the moon of the moon base Clarius. So that's a, a pretty wild story for you. The final question here, we're going over again, folks. I'm sorry, but it's just amazing. I'm so glad Raymond got on, um, is uh, Donald Newson wanted to know what is a dimension as opposed to a plane? Uh, a dimension um, is is a realm, um, a, a realm of various um, uh, energy levels. Uh, so it's a it's a, it's great. It's a gradation by um, um, uh, by density. So from the the more coarser densities to the lightest density. Once you get beyond this, the seventh um, dimension, I mean, there's an in, there, there's an infinity of dimensions, but beyond the seventh, it's so uh, minutely attuned that it, it doesn't really make any difference. We're talking about uh, pure etheric beings of light. All right, so we're going to have to end there, folks. I hope your interest is uh, peaked. I'm going to be on the gold. Actually, actually, that makes sense because 
you know, <laughs> as far out as that sounds, folks, that actually makes sense. And I'll tell you why that 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 makes sense to me, because when you're looking at a dimension, I always think of a dimension as something that encompasses something else. In other words, a circle within a circle. So if there's one circle, it's dimension one or a dimension. The circle that encloses the other, well, it's another dimension because it knows everything within its boundary. But, you know, the thing that it's encompassing only knows what's it what's within its own boundary. Now, it might be able to feel or sense other things depending, you know. But again, that's how I see a dimension. So ultimately, the biggest dimension or the one dimension of all there is must be one massive circle that encompasses everything else, kind of like a cell and all the things within a cell or a, a universe with all the things in a universe or a galaxy within a, all things within the galaxy. I kind of see it kind of like that where one dimension just encompasses another. And I guess the more dimensions, it'd be like an octave scale. You'd be like a, a note on an octave. You know, one kind of encompasses the lower tone, and but it can express its own higher tone. And when you get higher and higher and higher, eventually those tones are indistinguishable. I mean, you really can't you tell. Said. You're just too high up on that scale. So and it what makes you sense. Said, brother, it makes sense. very important. That's very important what you said there about the the octaves because this is how time moves, like the uh, like the octaves on a radio on a radio dial. You know, you could you could tune in um, this, the same signal moving up, in, you know, moving up and down uh, the dial in in octaves, and because uh, energy and matter are uh, interchangeable. Um, uh, time moves in in octave waves, and so you can capture one of these waves and and tune into it. And you, they actually have television, kind of television sets on Venus. And Truman Betherum described them very well. That you could you can actually tune into waves in the past or or even the future if you can capture one of these uh, one of these waves. And so that's that's one of the keys to time travel. See, I love what you're saying because it fits in even to the new math. You know, people say math doesn't even go up to 10. That's ridiculous. It goes to eight. It's an eight-bit system. Once it gets to eight, you know, you're there. You you know, and, and some people even say math's based on a six, on a, 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 I guess, a six-numeral system. I'm not sure. But... You know, I like what you say. You know, uh, Raymond, I uh, enjoyed having uh, you on Raymond Potter's show, Victory of the Light. And I enjoyed being here. And I really appreciate you taking my calls. I really do. Thank you. And Robert, thank you for allowing me to be a part of your wonderful show. I love it. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Raymond, your audience, your loved ones, family and friends, the Venusians, and to everybody on Earth. Thank you, Don. I'd like to, to close out here. We're at the end. You made some interesting points there, folks. So please tune in to the Goldfish Report number 410 next Friday night. We're going to go live 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. And before Thursday, especially tune in here to BBS Radio. Tell your friends we're going to answer questions. We're going to try and go a little farther. Uh, Don's asked some wonderful questions here. And we're going to go into Ascension, the various types. 
the fourth and fifth dimensions specifically and what people are saying, what they're thinking about uh, mass ascension for people or mass ascension for the planet, the reality, the possibilities, the misconceptions, and what the Venusian hierarchy of light and the ascended masters would like to convey to you uh, for you to hear or not. And uh, this information uh, we'll be sharing with you next week. So thank you very much for tuning in. And um, Don can turn you off now. I'll, I'll, be, I'll thank you. And then um, is everyone gone? Okay, so I was going to have Don on, and um, what I was thinking, I don't know if he if he can do it for because that show was live on air for yes, an hour. I actually can do it. I can get on here. Forgive me, I just had to run really quickly, but I am back. With <laughs> That's you. okay. I'm really grateful, and I'm so sorry. This is you've noticed with me. It, it's a it's a madness. I mean, one time I got on here, uh, Raymond. I was in the wrong time zone. I thought I was calling at the right time, and it wasn't. And another time I, uh, you know, uh, I get on there and my, you know, I've just had so many uh, not being prepared and I thought I was prepared today. I had all the pictures up and when I had seen it work, this Zoom, I thought, oh, I can just pick the picture because it shows all the pictures on the screen. <laughs> uh, only, I, I only want to say this because I'm, I'm sure you're all aware we're still live. live. Oh, I, I thought you, well, you had left. I said, I guess we're signing oh. out. Okay, no, okay no, so, I, all right, goodbye, okay, folks. We're going to no, end. No, but, no, no, stay with me. Stay with me. I'm going to turn us off, folks. I'm just going to tune you out. Okay, now they're no longer with us. Since you had no left, worries. since you didn't left, you didn't hear. I thought I was off the air. But what I was going to say, because I did go so long no, over. I, you know, I must have been out the few seconds you said that because I ran into <laughs> the other kitchen, grabbed a quick coffee, ran like Anyway, because what I was thinking, I've been kind of concerned going over. So what I'm thinking is, um, even though it was live on Facebook, um, um, maybe we should. I'll edit it. I'm going to edit it so well. See, this is the beauty of of what I do. Yeah. I edit audio and video like, like when you look at the Matrix and you see lines and somebody says, oh, that's a blonde walking their child. And I see that. That's how long I've been looking at these lines on these graphs when I editor graphs. So I can edit audio and video. That's the fastest part of my job. It's okay. that easy. To well, put I'm in gonna... transitions, add, expose, bring in, put in snippets, put in commercials. I mean, that's so simple. Really, honestly, my uh, 12-year-old's getting better at it than me. Well, I, I appreciate that. Now, my thought is, is because I have been unprepared. It was a little spaced out this time, but yeah, no worries. I, I want to. Rob, uh, I have a, I, I have a message for for you. Okay. You're you're never you're never in the wrong time zone. Oh yeah. Okay. You're you're you're, you're always where you should be, where you've always been, and where you always will be. Well, good. I'm glad I'm where I am, and I, I'm Isn't happy. That the truth. That's personal power. That is self-actualization at its best. I was explaining that to my son, who's, uh, you know, about to be 21. Exactly that. I said, sometimes you just, you have to sit back and, you know, I was going to give him $4,000 for a new, 
for a new car he wants to buy. I was going to give it to him. Wow. And I said, otherwise, you know, you can hold on to it and, and, and not rush to buy a car right now. Hold on to it. Earn some interest on it. Stick it away. And l- run your car right now till the darn thing drops. And then leave it there. I mean, not joking, right? But, and then buy your new vehicle. But use what you got. Use it wisely and don't go nuts and save a little bit. And I said, and you'll be funny when you feel good about where you are, at what time you were there. And in other words, you feel complete in this moment. You'd be amazed. You can take all the time you need. Those good cars will come to you. You'll How old is he? And, and you'll, you'll get the car you want. You'll be shocked. You'll get the car you want. Just let it come to you. Don't go chasing it. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, it's a feeling. And I told him, it's a feeling you've got to have inside. Well, I know. Well, part of me was I, I did this other show, and she, I gave her the stuff, and she put it up, and she showed me how it went, but I didn't realize the pictures had to be stacked in order. So I just put them up thinking I can just pick them and they would go up, but it, uh, it didn't quite work out that way. So, um, anyway, um, you didn't have many problems. You did real well. Look, Robert, for as new as you are at this and being doing zoom for once, one day only, basically you're a pro, you're a pro look, feel good about it. You did great. People are going to love, by the way, your nuances, your are quirkiness and your your lightheartedness and your humor and that you know they're gonna love it well thank you i i I tried to get it's a little uh, but i'm gonna have enough support in other radio shows that uh people are gonna i'm gonna be more polished as we go on but this is the first time and i've been pondering it's only been uh i'm looking at this it's only been a week since you'll develop your radio voice in about under two months You'll have your whole radio personality, persona, ready and slicked, oiled, well-greased, and ready to roll. You will. You watch. If you do I've been doing it for years, and I haven't learned it. I I actually have a really nice uh, uh, microphone, and I'm still sitting here. It's basically about setting it up and the technology and having space and all that. I can help you with that, though. You'd be shocked. I I help so many people set up from personal to professional podcasting studios over the internet or through Skype and help them set it up and tell them what they need to do. I do this a lot. And you remember, I customer service is our thing. We love our hosts. We want you to do well. Many of our hosts do extremely well. We, we just, we get a bang out of this. We think our, you know, we think our message is here to change the paradigm, the world, and it's got to be for the better. And that's what we, that we don't take adult programming, no horror porn, none of that. We, we, you know, we are, we're really about change, enlightenment, uh, and uh, uh, mental and physical and spiritual change has to come about. It has to happen now, right now. I have four kids and, you know, they're 14 to 21. So, you know. Look, I and I live in California, so, you know, my children feel it. I feel it. I'm used to living in Texas. 
Oh, I thought I just uh, heard a little bit of sexist in there before. You know, and I see the changes. And I think mankind needs to not let big industry tax us into these changes, tax us into these changes, which they do want for probably pretty good reason. Do you live in in paradise? He used to. Yeah, yeah. Paradise, California. Yeah, that's the chat. Uh, the title of the, one of the chapters in my third book. Oh, Paradise yeah, we California. lost everything. You it's know, funny. The, of the oldest UFO group. Yeah, Paradise was special. When I first got there, I, I saw, oh, well, I got quite a few experiences, but my last one was there in 2007. Um, never saw anything after that, but yeah, Paradise was amazing. I felt blessed there. The energy of the place, blessed. I don't know how it all burned up. It caught me yeah, with they, a, at a surprise. I had three other fires <laughs> all around me, three times where they made us all evacuate. My home never burned, and I never thought it would do it this time, but it did. They, they invited me there uh, two years before it burnt, it yeah. burnt down at, yeah. at the Friends of the Library there. Right, and I pre- I presented the whole history of uh, of uh, of UFOs and uh, Venusians and all the connection to that that city there. It 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 felt it was an interesting energy. My kids loved it. I I loved it. I loved settling in there. There was a dyn- you know we were one of the only properties in all of Paradise that had twenty four hour running water on it. By the way, through oh. a, a stream creek. We were about, oh, half a mile to a mile from the main town. And we were one of the only ones that had, and 24-7, right? And it was three-acre property, beautiful. And Nationwide said we we're the biggest loss they had in the area, Nationwide. Oh. And we lost our business, too. But I always felt blessed there. I still feel blessed, even though I love, I mean, granted, it was, gosh, it breaks my heart. But... If Rob ever wants to do a, a, a program just about that chapter on par- paradise, I'd be happy to do it. We can do that. We're going to go through this other stuff. And while you're uh, real quick here, it's late for Raymond. So what I was oh, going to uh, suggest, Don, is uh, you could record me. I do a quick, uh, gosh, that's at the end of that for the show. We'll have to do the next sure. show next week. We've got so much information. Okay, sure, so I'll do that. You can ending? cut this into two shows. Uh, yeah, yeah do you want to do that? Tape a proper ending, you mean? Yeah, and then you can sure. intersperse it. I can it. splice it right in, no problem. Okay, how, how long is it? What time are we at now? We've got about 15 minutes of junk. Just go, man, go, and I'll splice it. So tell me how many hours we are so I know how many endings to create. Oh, well, um, oh, I see what you're saying. Well, we only went about, uh, let's see, seven, eight to nine, two hours, 15 minutes. Okay, so cut these at about, uh, you know, we're going to cut out the end and all this stuff here. Uh, from uh, when I thought we ended and you came back from the bathroom. So I'll, I'll go like this and I'll go. cut all that out. Okay. So I'll put this in here uh, real quick, and I'll go with uh, ready, one, it. two, three. Hey, folks, gosh, I'm sorry. Um, we just kept talking, and uh, actually on Facebook, if you listened, it was live streamed. We just went beyond the hour. I was very unorganized. I apologize for my technological, but I've been very excited to share this information. So uh, please tune in. Um, next week, you're going to have another, uh, a little over an hour show. 
And then uh, we're going to be recording some stuff with Raymond as well. So be sure to keep tuning into this radio show. Um, and I'm going to polish my presentations. And I'm going to be doing a series of informational talks that are, is going to be really um, interesting for you. And we'll bring Raymond on quite often uh, to be my metaphysical expert. So thank you, Don. Thank you, Raymond. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Rob. All right, and we'll uh, see you next week, and we're going to finish right into this. Um, and so uh, thank you, and good night. Okay. Now we'll do the next, <laughs> now, now, now let's do the next one. I'll, I'll intro the next show. All right, have fun. All right, folks, uh, this is the second edition here. Uh, we went over on our original one, and this is all recorded on one night, but you're going to see it in two different episodes. So we're just going to get right back in. Don's going to make a, a logical cut there. Um, I'm going to give a brief goodbye, as you saw last week, and this is the beginning of next week's, but it's really no intro. You're going to have to follow the conversation if you're just tuning in. Go back, actually, three shows and follow the amazing story of my uh, – First face-to-face -face meeting uh, with an acknowledgement from the Venusians or the Pleiadians, although I've had several that are close. Um, and it was an arranged meeting. Allowed me to ask, ask questions in the video, record them. Didn't know when they were happening, but we're deep into the questions and answers. Uh, so enjoy this here. And you're going to see my friend Raymond Keller coming in on this episode. And our host, Don Newsom, uh, asked some intelligent questions, and we get some amazing answers. So tune in. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. It's a wrap. And now I got one more to end. <laughs> now I want to do the ending for, and I want to do the ending for, for that show. All right. All right. Now we're doing the ending for the 15-minute. Uh, the uh... No, the last show I just did. Oh, these are all endings for other shows. These are for you. Got two shows here. Oh, now, you, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Okay, yeah. Carry oh, on. Oh, carry yeah, on. Carry on. Actually, you know what? I we did just do the we did the ending for that show, then we did the start, then we did the beginning of this show. So yeah, I'll uh, uh, yeah, I'll do uh, actually the one we just did. I'll because I talked about that'll be the ending for the second show. I'm going to do the ending for the first show now. If you can remember that part. So I'll say it. Okay, we'll start here and now. Ending for the first show. Uh, yeah, or, yeah, now you're making sense to me. Okay. <laughs> okay, folks. Okay, because I knew you just finished the, the ending to the second show, so I figured, well, well, all right, well, maybe I'm missing some. That's okay. <laughs> and, and ending for each hour, right? Right. So this is the ending for the first hour, and it's, and um, I hope he's not drunk when he tries to figure this out. Okay. So, Rem, okay, so, all right, folks, this is the ending for the first show. Um, we didn't have enough, much time there. We just kept going and going. And so uh, you have uh, – uh, another show coming up next week, and you're going to enjoy that very much. So um, I thank you for your time today, and uh, I think I did that last time, didn't I? Uh, maybe Okay, this may be the ending for the second show. Sure, know. sure, sure. Get okay. creative. Get creative. <laughs> okay, folks, uh, this was a great interview. Uh, we ran out of time again with uh, Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller. Um, he came in the end here. And Don asked some intelligent questions. It was a great uh, show here. 
Um, and really, I'm going to be a lot more organized and prepared to go over some information with you from now on. Uh, my radio show is going to be kind of like webinars and preparing you for some of my live presentations with Raymond and some of my other Venusian friends. Uh, we'll be doing more experiential things in our workshops this summer. But uh, the first contact you've got to see is the first release ever on this show of a live Venusian face-to-face interview and announcing themselves. This is the beginning of a first contact on a certain level. Many other contacts have been taking place throughout history. That's not the only one. But this one is uh, the first one in modern era that we're able to see them announce to us what their intentions are. They, the government knows their intentions and have contacted and uh, talked to them all the time. They probably have some sort of, uh, I would call it detente in some sort of communication, communication level. I'm not really sure, but the government's still hostile and will seek to take them down and arrest them and kill them if possible. It's pretty wild. That can never happen. But um, So listen to these messages again if you uh, can. I know it's a little scattered, but... Uh, look for other communications, and uh, we'll see you uh, next week with Raymond. It's going to be on the show in a more prominent way. Thank you very much.